Welcome to Kingdom in Context. The Creator never intended for us to be confused by His words. He gave us His words of life, and He gave them in context, to be understood and beneficial to our walk with Him. This channel's goal is to bring clarity to some of the misconceptions that have formed over time among believers and taught by others, however innocent and well-intended. The scriptures make complete sense when we keep them in context of His coming kingdom and His coming King, Jesus the Messiah. If you're blessed by what we're doing with this channel and feel led to support us, visit the video description below where we have a PayPal option, a monthly Patreon option, or a traditional P.O. Box address. Thank you, and remember, context creates comprehension. Welcome, fellow brave believers. This is Kingdom Cast, and I'm Sean Griffin. Thanks for joining me tonight. Tonight, we're going to look at a, a part of our Answering Pastors series. We're actually going to be looking at a pastor from Hillsong in New York City. His name is Carl Lentz, and he's uh, pretty popular. Uh, he has a unique uh, outlook on how he runs his church, and it's he actually has uh, quite a few celebrities that go to his church as well. So he's gained a lot of media attention. And so he actually just did a, an interview recently with a gentleman named Logan Paul, who is a really prolific, you know, star on YouTube, if you will. Logan Paul is someone that's done a lot of, he's, he's done, he's got a lot of attention himself uh, for some of the things he's done in some of his videos and how he's grown his channel on YouTube. So they have a, a, a conversation on Logan Paul's podcast. We're actually going to review that tonight and, we're going to talk about some of the things that Carl Lentz talks about as far as what he thinks being a disciple of Jesus is all about. It's going to be interesting, guys. It's going to be interesting. I just want to thank everyone for uh, being here. There's uh, quite a few people in the chat already. David Shearer, Stephen Schofield, Callie J, Gavin Miller, AC. Welcome, everybody. Jeremiah 15, 16, Paul Levi. The Line Within Us is back. Welcome, everyone. Beetlejuice, Estevan. Be good, Lynette Moody, Alyssa, Bill Craddock, Earl Rogers, Obendanaya Silva. Welcome, everybody. Quite a few people in here. Um, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually trying to make, um, make make a meme to to open up this with, but I just did not have time. But this is essentially here. If I can finish it real quick, is if y'all will give me the patience here. Um, <laughs> one second. This might this might be something. I don't know. It's just a, a it's me, making memes is a pastime, right? It's a fun little hobby. Just got to get the right font. Got to get the right placement. It's a, it's an art form, all on its own. You guys get to see memeing in real time. Memeing in real time tonight. But uh, thank you everyone for being here. And thank you for all of you who caught our 
surprise podcast. Um, for anyone that may have caught our surprise podcast last night, uh, or yes, or I uploaded it. It was actually Saturday night, but I uploaded it yesterday morning as I was able to. And so let me put this on screen. I hope great guys. This is our, yeah. So this is basically me. Every time I'm watching TV and a pastor comes on because I'm just like, guys, like, did, did he really just say that? Like, and I think what it really is, is maybe we should change the meme. Actually, maybe, maybe the meme should be this. Oh, wait a second. Sorry. <laughs> let's, let's augment the meme in real time. You guys can see really amazing how powerful a little meme can be. There we go. There we go. It's it's not as big. Hang on a second. Let's make this right. Let's make this right. There we go. I'll disperse this on social media later. But basically like that, It's it, it breaks my heart, man. It breaks my heart watching this kind of stuff where you, you see someone that's just like they're just talking – they, they, they think that they know the words that they want people to hear. And what, unfortunately though, with this particular, um, particular pastor, it's been kind of been controversial, um, already amongst other people, but amongst other, you know, uh, Christian commentary, I should say, because of some of their very lenient stances. And you're going to hear some of this tonight as we go into it, but there's some very lenient stances on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what it means to walk, uh, like Jesus walked or to love Jesus and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, it's very interesting. Um, it, it's unfortunately I, I we're going to find some issues with it. Um, I'll try to be as love as loving as possible, but uh, yeah, a Blake McFarlane is asking, you know, are they really pastors? That's where, that's where, you know, sometimes the conspiracies come in, right? Because you start seeing people doing certain behaviors that are so blatantly anti-scriptural you start to wonder who, you know, why are they in this? Are they really reading their Bible? Are they just doing this for the paycheck? Um, have they been put up to this by someone behind the scenes? Uh, are they just, you know, a megalomaniac and like the attention and they like their narcissist. They like their, the feeling of being, you know, in a position of, of um, uh, being basically the center of attention uh, in, in front of large crowds and have people following them. You know, sometimes you just really, you got to wonder because you're sitting there going, how do they read this book and get this idea? But I, I'm constantly surprised um, the more and more I interact with with people, especially with social media being allowing you to interact with people so quickly from all over the world. It, it's really amazing to see what kind of stuff that people claim to be a believer and they claim to they want to come correct you on theology, but they have no 100 percent no idea what the Bible says. And you start trying to lovingly show them what the Bible says. And they're just like, now you they just, <laughs> then it devolves and it. This is where, unfortunately, you know, I would love to be able to just reach out and and I've tried in the past to reach out to pastors and actually just say, hey, would you like to come on and have a conversation about our differences and how you are seeing the scriptures and then how I see the scriptures? And very, very few of them are actually willing to do that. Very few of them. And so, unfortunately, many of them are being taught, you know, in some of the more liberal seminaries, they're being taught uh, some of the things that we're going to be hearing 
from this pastor tonight. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wild world out there. We have, this is why it's so important for us to actually know our Bibles and to take a little bit of time to actually read them because it's, it's, it's easy to fall into um, a ditch on either side of the road. All right, guys, y'all ready? Let's see if we can go to this. Okay. I got the volume all the way up. Uh, wait one second here. Let me try this again so that I can ensure the vo the audio is going to be strong here. Okay. Thing and not that thing. They have to shift with the culture. Culture, yeah. Because their advertisers pay their bills. And it's a mm. it's a multi-billion dollar company. Oh, yeah. You, what was it? Adpocalypse? Was Adpo it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, unfortunately, mm. you're, you're a slave to the advertiser. If uh, you have a bad actor, i.e. Shane Dawson, or, or even someone who was a bad actor, like, they got to make a move. It feels so weird calling him a bad – he's such a unassuming and sweet man. Dude, I know. But just his, loves his past is just haunting him. It's just that bestiality will get you, dude. It'll get all the and, time. And the pet And the pet Like, both of those things are just tricky, bro. They're hard to work. One's, one's tricky. Hard to work around. Yeah. Space podcast. you consider – who co-founded talk religion god and hopefully wash away all of my sins it's carl lentz all right he's coming, he's coming up on us there You're he is one of those. what's up bro what's yes, up sir. <laughs> what the, up the best looking pastor i've, I've ever seen in my yeah, life dude like the bro of bros what's pastor up, bro we're friends for life i guess so if you start a combo like that <laughs> we're, we're friends for life. No, I saw I saw you yesterday. We were at our uh, friend Chase's warehouse. Yep. And uh, obviously, yeah, I, I had I had I, I sat. I was like, yo, you look familiar, and because I had seen your stuff before. And uh, yeah, man, you by far the most uh, down to earth, amicable, uh, religious person I've met. Oh, man. And I'm I'm wondering if that's if that contributes to your greatness and and who you are and the stuff you do. Well, firstly. Thank you for having me. Mm. This is uh, this is really cool. It's cool to see uh, what hard work can do. You know, I was just yep. talking to my son not too long ago, who's like, "Dad, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a YouTuber." It's like a year ago, oh, no. before I was really kind of hip to the million dollar game. Yep. And then I found out you could actually make a real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here on you know a YouTube empire. But uh, after I did some research, I told my son, "I'm like, okay." Yeah, let's, nice. get, let's get you a better chair. We love that. Let's get you some, some, <laughs> some better, you know, earphones. Oh, because he's doing commentary? Like he's sitting he down? Just, he does it all. He does the Twitch stream. Good he does him. a Fortnite. But anyway, um, yeah, this is really cool to see. So thank you for having me. Of course. Um, but yeah, we we are pretty simple, easy people. I actually didn't marry Justin. One of my best friends, Judah Smith, did. I saw. Okay. I saw. I saw. We're going to skip past a little bit of this, guys. He's he's just talking about whether who married Justin Bieber. So it's they do their celebrity back and forth talk. But essentially, we're going to hear how he describes his church and what he feels is unique about it. I guess, no, but I, I think, yeah, our, our church is, just, is about, you know, just being yourself and trying to get better. And I think sometimes people think preachers are. Uh, well, OK, yeah, it's right off the bat, <laughs> right off the bat. Like, I'm not trying to be OK. I, I don't. This is this is rough for me. This is why, like I said, like three, three months ago when I started this answering pastor series, I was like, like at the, at the outset. Right. Whenever we address what pastors are saying publicly, you know, just. Just know that I'm not sitting here trying to judge this man's soul. Um, everyone has a different approach. So, you know, I'm not I'm not criticizing him with uh, with malice or with intent to to defame him or hurt him. We're just the whole concept here is that this this idea of people that put themselves in a 
spiritual authority over others to teach them the words of God through the Bible. There's a huge responsibility that goes with that. Huge. Malachi chapter 2 talks about the prophets and priests, which translates over to the priests were supposed to be people that taught the word of God. You know, this is James 3.1 and 1 Timothy 2, you know, these ideas of the elders, the leaders, the teachers of the word, you know, having the, the gift of teaching God's God's word to other people is literally a gift of the spirit. Same, same as, uh, you know, when the, the gifts of ministry, when you actually become a pastor, like that's something the father is supposed to gift you to do. But the basic qualifiers of those, you're, you're supposed to know his word, man. You got to be studied and approved. You have to actually know his word. So that's why James is like, well, you should not all try to be teachers. They'll be held to a stricter judgment. And so we got public pastors coming out and they want to start talking stuff. And the first thing he says about his church, he wants his people to be themselves. And you're like, look guys, yes. I mean, in a general relative sense, you want to be yourself. You don't want to, you don't want to be fake. You don't want to go in there and, and try to be someone you're not right. The father meets you where you're at. And then you grow in your discipleship from there. Um, but the reason why I'm pausing on that moment, because when he <laughs> When they start trying to pin him down, that uh, Logan Paul and his and his co-host start trying to actually pin Carl Lentz down on this idea, like he just introduced his church as we just want people to be themselves and then and then to to be a better be better. Well, what does that what does that truly mean? They try to pin him down on this, and and that's where it gets kind of kind of interesting. Well, they make themselves um, out to be something more than they are. And mm -hmm. our church is kind of built on everybody being themselves, including the preachers. So hopefully, mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't be some weird alien that wasn't able to, you know, be in the same space with, with you know, awesome guys like you. Kevin Durant as well. Did you, you baptize Kevin Durant? Yeah. Because that one was actually you, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that really happened. How does, how does, uh, first, first and foremost, I want to say we are, we are not theological or religious experts on this show. Mac, Mac probably is the most learned or studied out of the three of us on it because he Most does, he does his, his beard gives him extra, <laughs> extra, extra wisdom but but i did but i did dial in a, a, a few thoughts and questions as i as i came onto the show and the first one is kind of how does um how does your approach differ from uh the strictness that people generally believe religion to uh encompass or 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 hold and 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 being one of the things that actually as i'm sure you've seen in our current climate scares people away from the idea of theology or revelation or religion yeah uh, it's a great question i think most of the time religion like people especially in new york we, we've dealt with the whole generation of people that have run from church just because it's been scary it's been weird it's been like rules and when you meet jesus we believe it's not uh you have to it's a you get to so rules are what you need if you don't really want to be involved with something but if you have a relationship with God, I think that it's it should be free. It should lift your head, not put it down. It should add less weight to your life because Jesus said, I'm going to take the weight off of you. So our church is less about telling you what to do and trying to teach you how to think. And you got to come to these conclusions on your own. But So, guys, <laughs> is it just me or did or did <laughs> um, or did the scriptures tell us that how we think is being transformed by the renewing of our mind? Is this uh, is this Revelation chapter or excuse me Romans twelve verse one and two? I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. What is does that exclude what you're supposed to do, or would that include what you're supposed to do? Because it literally says that when you present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, meaning you're being obedient to what God's asking you, 
physically, not just in your mind, physically. It says, this is your spiritual service of worship. And he goes on to say in verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes, that's learning how to think differently so that you may prove what the will of God is that's good, acceptable, and perfect. You guys put it in the comments. What's the will of God? What, how do we transform and renew our mind to the will of God? So what's, what's the will of God? We've talked about it a lot on this, on this channel. It's very simple, super simple will of God. I'll go to it real quick. All right, let me see if I can do this. See if this will fit in the chat. I think it will. Mm, looks like it. Okay. So this is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13, and 14. The conclusion when all's been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden. And it, it, it actually, there's more to it, but it is chopped it off. But that gives you the general premise. Okay. This is the, this is the will of God. It's, yeah. Jeremiah 15, 16. That's right. To keep his commandments. Line within us. Yeah. To keep his Torah, which are his commandments. Same idea. So, you know, this whole concept of it does, he's trying to say, we're not trying to tell people what to do, but how to think. Uh, okay. That could, that could be loosely interpreted, but this is where a person who is, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm trying to do this justice as far as the setup here. The next guy that's going to be talking, this guy right here, the guy on the right hand side, he's actually a believer. I can't, I don't know about Logan Paul personally, but this guy claims to be a believer through his recovery process. I guess he went through some sort of recovery uh, step program and he's actually trying to pin him down on what does that actually mean? Because that guys, that's a super logical question for a new believer who comes in and is like, okay, what do I practically do today? You know? And that's where you just get these mantras of like, oh, you just need to be, you know, be yourself, but strive to be better. Yeah. We're not worried about a bunch of rules on how you, how you need to act, but, but we just, you know, we just want you to learn how to think properly. You know, we've all heard the Joyce Meyer um, bumper sticker slogan, right? The get rid of that stinking thinking, you know? So like, I think she published a book with that title or something. So, you know, this, this is this common, these church mantras that we hear that are so vague and broad that you can't just point people directly to the instruction manual, which is our Bibles and say, here you go, right here. This, this passage right here, this tells you exactly what to do. Exactly. So we'll keep going though. There's more to this. Illusions on your own, but normally you come into church, it's like 10 things you can't do. Can't drink, mm -hmm. can't smoke, mm -hmm. can't have sex, can't talk, to, like literally can't live. That's what it feels like. Right. And we'd rather, you know, kind of reverse. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling. I'm trying not to be too critical. I'm trying to be very even handed on this, but he literally just listed off a bunch of destructive behaviors that are against the behavior of Jesus Christ. And then he said, and, and most people come to church and they're told they can't do those anymore. And then they, <laughs> it's like, you feel like you can't live. So it just breaks my heart. You know, John 14 says, Jesus said he's the way, the truth and the life. And then if we want to walk as, you know, first John two, three, we want to do the keep, you know, the commandments, uh, excuse me, uh, second John two, one through six, this idea of if we want to, if we claim to know him, we want to walk as he walked, we have to keep his commandments. You know, this whole concept of, um, yeah, I know that's, that's what I, I was, this is, this actually was one of the statements, Stephen Schofield, that just threw me back. Like I was like, I was listening to it in the background uh, while I was doing some other work one day. And I was like, what did this guy just say? Like, that's, you know, I, I 
pray. I'm giving him benefit of the doubt. Just pray it's a slip of the tongue. So we'll just keep listening here. That can get people to to know Jesus first. And then from there, you start realizing, cool, it's not that I can't do that. It's I don't want to do that. Uh, okay. Hey, guys. Amen. Right. The whole idea is that you don't come in to relationship with Jesus because you've kept a certain amount of rules. Right. This is kind of like that argument we see in Acts 15, uh, this whole circumcision argument that they were battling over. Right. The Pharisees were trying to say that you had to be circumcised before you could be in covenant. And then the the disciples, Paul and Barnabas included, they were like, no, that's not scriptural. That's not the way it should be. Even Abraham followed God for, you know, many, many decades before he was ever circumcised. And so they were they're realizing, no, it's it's a it's a heart. It's a heart situation. It's a matter of faith. You come to faith in Yeshua and to Jesus and then he pours out a spirit upon you. He sheds his love abroad in your heart this, with, through the Holy Spirit because that's uh, he has access to the Holy Spirit because of his priesthood. And he's going to help you start to change your behavior, right? Start to live a life that's totally acceptable and pleasing to, to the Father. And this is this is something that, you know, that's cool. I, I, I can hope that he can actually apply that with congregants in a very practical way. That, that would be a, a, a positive, so to speak. Let's hear it one more time. Right. And we'd rather, you know, kind of reverse that and get people to to know Jesus first. And then from there, you start realizing, cool, it's not that I can't do that. It's I don't want to do that. Uh, Big what, difference. What? So here's here's where it gets dicey because it sounds nice. It really does. But what happens when a new convert comes in and they say, well, I haven't gotten to that point where I don't want to commit adultery or I don't want to honor my mother and father, or I don't want to see what I'm saying. I like they, they haven't gotten to that point yet. They haven't discipled yet because, and, and you'd be, you'd be surprised folks. You'd be amazingly surprised how many people, even in this country, even in the United States do not even know the most basic ideas from scripture. Like don't lie to people. Don't covet. Don't steal. Like the, the, the most basic concepts, they have grown up in very unique circumstances within certain parts of the country. And they sincerely do not understand that they, you know, they don't, they think it's completely okay to just go and ha eat some pig's feet. Like they, they really don't understand. They think it's completely okay just to have a huge tray of, uh, of shrimp and cocktail sauce watching Sunday football. Like they, they really don't know this, this, the whole idea of, I think this is what really to me hurts my heart to hear some of this mantras from church where they, they push into this idea of like, yeah, love you. We'll get you to know Jesus first which in itself kind of goes against what John tries to explain to us in, the, in John's letters, where he's like, if you want, if you claim to know Jesus, but you, you're not doing the commandments, then you're a liar. So how do you get to know Jesus first if you're not teaching someone the actual how-tos, what she's denigrating as the rules, right? Making it sound like it's a bad thing. Guys, we have rules in everything we do in this life. You have rules for how you plug in your computers, you have rules for how you shop at a grocery store like TJ Maxx or Target or Walmart or something. You can't walk. The, the basic rule is you have to walk in through the front door. You can't walk in through the employee entrance. You have to go to where the clothes are presented for you to purchase and, per and peruse. You can't walk into the back stock room and start pulling them out of the boxes. You have to take those clothes up to the register and have them acknowledged before the person that's going to charge you for them the appropriate price. You can't just walk out the door with them. Like we have rules in every single thing in our life. What is this language that we start telling new believers when it matters to their actual soul that suddenly these things that God said, these are good rules to follow because they'll give you life. 
and they'll give you good, good results. Why are we telling them that suddenly those rules, we got to throw those out. Those don't matter. Just know Jesus. You're like, well, what, okay. What does that mean? How you, Jesus followed all those rules. So if I'm going to know Jesus, then why, why wouldn't I learn about the things that he did, which are those rules? Like it just, to me, the whole framing of this, it really hurts the heart. Really, really, really disingenuous to this, the actual scriptures themselves. Are the, what are the hard set rules that you, that do exist in now, now your, your church Hillsong is a, uh, version of the <laughs> Pentecostal. I was, was going to ask, what's your, what's your actual denomination? It's non-denominational. Okay. Okay. But it, but it does take some, uh, inspiration yeah. from the Australian oh, yeah. Pentecostal. Is that what it is? Well, in Australia, the dom- denominations are different. Okay. Um, but it would be, a a non-denominational charismatic church is okay. how you describe it. So we, we have like, we dance with snakes once a month. We, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> oh, I was, I was waiting. Yeah. I was going to ask. Wait, I was going to like, sign up. Wait, I, wait, I'm, wait. I'm into that. Uh, no, we, we, uh, you know, we, we are a church that just believes that the denomination aspect of things, it's less important than, than who we're talking about. So, um, yeah, what was your original question? Be, I was just going to ask, like, what the are rules. the hard set rules? Just because I, as, as someone who, uh, has found a personal connection to Jesus in, especially in my recovery. And what, I, and what I was a story a, you have, by the way, yeah, thank you. My yeah, gosh. It's wild, wild. Amazing. Um, but, uh, and everybody knows it, so I'm not going to even touch on it, but, <laughs> but obviously, uh, I, I, I was born a, a Methodist and I was, you know, believe in Christ my whole life, but I formed a more personal connection myself. Yeah. And, um, I don't, uh, regularly attend church. I'd like to work on that. And I don't, I don't utilize a, a pastor to create that connection, but I have a personal conversation with Jesus Christ every single day of my life. Mm. And so I'm curious just, you know, to hear from you, what the hard set rules are that exist. There has to be some like, <laughs> are you guys, are you guys hearing this? This guy is hungry. This guy is hungry for righteousness. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. He's searching for truth. He truly wants to, he's he's looking a pastor in the face and we're getting to see this on TV. He's looking a pastor in the face, say, what are the actual hard set rules? I, I believe in Jesus. I try to talk to him every day. He just acknowledged that he doesn't, he feels convicted that he's not being around other believers as much as he should by and his understanding of that is going to a denominational church. But the whole point is like the dude is, he wants to know some, something. He's like, what are the actual hard and fast rules? <laughs> Let's is yeah. it be good to one another? Is it right. like, what is the well, core belief like, of that the, system? The core tenets of our faith, it's to love people, mm-hmm. love people more than yourself. You guys hear that? All right. We're going to keep going though. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not taking them out of context to love people more than yourself. Um, all right. Let's walk through this practically. Okay, guys. Say you're attending a church. Say you are the usher and say uh, you don't have to be even working at the church. You could just be someone that, you know, is attending this church and someone comes in and they say, you're sitting down, you know, you're sitting down like second row from the back, right near the aisle. Someone else comes in and says, Hey, uh, I, I want to sit there. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And you get up and you're thinking, yeah, man, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's awesome. And then you move to another aisle. So then they walk up and they come over and they say, Hey, um, Thanks for thanks for letting me have your seat back there. Um, can I sit next to you now? And they're like, Yeah, sure. That's that's fine. Sure. Come on, brother, sit down. And then ten minutes into the song, they're like, Hey, you're really nice. And they put their arm around you. Oh, man, this guy must be really loving. He must be, feel really welcomed here. All right, brother. Yeah. And then he's like, Hey, um, I, can I tell you something? And he leans in to whisper in your ear, but instead he starts to bite your earlobe and lick your neck. 
how, at what point do we stop someone who has a different idea of love because it's not, they're not using an idea of love defined in the scriptures, which the word love is defined for us in the scriptures. And how much do we put them above us and love others as we love ourselves? If those other people and yourself included have never been taught the basic understanding of what love is, according to the scriptures, you guys know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of a, Hey, you'd be surprised what people, <laughs> what goes on in church. There was a, there was a church um, in Tulsa that I, that I attended in the past where uh, at one of the youth services, a kid tried to pull a gun and shoot one of the youth pastors in the face. So, you know, that, there's all kinds of nonsense that goes on in churches, guys. There was a, there's just at this, the main service. Uh, they used to have a group of witches that would show up in the back, the very back and just, you know, try to cast spells on the pastor while he was preaching, you know? And um, I mean, there was a whole bunch of nonsense going on. So like there, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens at um, churches. So basically guys, um, if we go into second John two, it's verse six. It basically says this, guys, that um, I'll put this on. I'll put this in the chat for folks and I'll put it on screen real quick. Give me one second. Second John 2, 6. Is that this is love that we walk in after his commandments. This is the commandment that you've heard from the beginning. You should walk in it. So we hear this all the time. And what, what he's saying is this one again, these bumper sticker phrases where he's basically saying, yeah, you should love others more than you love yourself. Well, is that what Jesus said? Or did he say you should love the Lord your God, your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you should love your neighbor as you love yourself? Because there's a standard there. It doesn't mean allowing someone who's the other in that scenario, who doesn't know what love is and tries to aggress upon you or impose upon you or get you to do something destructive, that you should let that happen, that you should not put forth a boundary or a standard like Yeshua put forth a boundary and a standard around people. He goes into Nazareth and he stands up and he reads from Isaiah scroll, Luke chapter four. And then they get, you know, extremely violently angry. They turn into a mob because he claimed that the prophecy he read from Isaiah was being fulfilled in their hearing, which inherently assumed that he was the Messiah and they didn't want to hear it. They tried to, a mob of people tried to push him to the edge of town to a cliff and throw him over a cliff. Now he supernaturally, through the power of the spirit of God, walked through them and was unharmed. It wasn't his time to lay his life down yet. But the point is, is he, if he's following this, this inverted mantra that we just heard, which is to love others more than you love yourself, then he's not putting up any boundaries and he would have just let them throw him off the cliff. So this is not the standard that God has for us. He's written down his standard and it's in the Bible. It's not in a mantra. So anyway, I'm, uh, I need to slow down. Let's go back to it. Um, put people first. Be kind. Um, be more thoughtful than you've ever been before. I think when you talk about rules, like Jesus said really clearly, if you want to do what I tell you to do, he took the Ten Commandments, he made them two. Love me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He said all the commandments hang upon these two. He didn't minimize or change any of the commandments, which are called eternal. It's in Psalm 119, verse 160. And love your neighbor made it really simple. So all the rules and all the stuff that we put on religion, that's what that's what people have done. But Jesus was the opposite of that. He said, if you really want to know what religion is, it's caring for the widows, helping out the orphans. And he was talking to religious people when he said that. 
Well, not only did he not say that specific uh, specific statement, I know what he's trying to get at. You know, I know what this pastor is trying to imply. But um, if he had said that specific statement, which actually is from James chapter one, <laughs> he would have he would have be exactly what James is doing. And he's actually quoting Deuteronomy 15 and Jeremy 22, which are the rules, the commandments. Because this, of course, most mainstream churches um, and most mainstream pastors, they don't realize that Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees, whom he's saying are the religious people in this story, because they had their man-made doctrines. They weren't following God's doctrines. They weren't following the doctrines of the Father and the Son, which are the commandments. They were following Talmudic Judaism. They were following their own man-made doctrines. So there was a there was a battle of bad teachers that Jesus was addressing. He wasn't addressing just religious people that were obsessed with rules. So this is a huge misunderstanding in a lot of modern modern churches today. So our, our thing is when you start defining your life, that's because you know Jesus and you start to understand what the Bible is really about. And uh, we win sometimes because people have had so many bad experiences with church and religion. So they mm. step into our church like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And we're like, sorry, you feel like that because it's not. <laughs> but it's like if you got food poisoning at five restaurants. You'd be real hesitant to go to the sick. Yeah. But if you just survive that sixth outing, you'd be like, that's the greatest restaurant in the yeah. world. Mm. That's kind of what we're dealing with. So you're the cracker barrel of the <laughs> If that, we're the Applebee's, <laughs> like maybe. You know, we are the 7 Eleven deli. Wait, why do you say that though? What? But, well, why do I say what? Like, why, why is it? Why, uh, why lower the esteem of your church? What? Did you guys hear that? This, this actually made me laugh out loud the first time I heard it because. I, not because it's funny, but because I was so appalled. I, I was so like heartbrokenly appalled that, that, you know, instead of an expletive coming out of my mouth, I just laughed because I was looking at even Logan Paul is sitting there confused by what he's hearing. And he's like, wait a minute. Did you just call your church the Seven Eleven deli? Then you called it an Applebee's like, what, what are you talking about? He's he's really genuinely confused on why this guy seems to be denigrating his own service. And he asks him here in a minute, he's like, oh, are you just trying to be super humble? And he's trying to figure out why he's taking this approach. And it's it's very interesting just to hear this kind of dynamic of like, you know, what do you have to offer at your church? What are you offering for people? What is then? He's already hearing something that he can't. There's no concrete terms being used, guys. I don't know if you notice this or not. This is all bumper stickers. There's, there's no definitive like, oh, this is, oh yeah, well, this is what, when people come into our church, they're attracted because we teach them how to walk like Jesus. And here's, a, here's the literally the, the very clear cut and simple statements that tell you exactly how to walk like Jesus. We cover it in, in our first meet and greet. And then we teach them how to do that better over time. That's not what he just heard. Logan Paul is, is like truly trying to grasp this because he just heard somebody make all these bumper sticker statements. And now he's denigrating the church that is so popular and that he claims is a, a better experience than the other five restaurants that gave someone food poisoning. So that lot of, lot of, this is what happens when you have vagueness because you're trying to be relevant to the world instead of just definitively telling what the Bible says and standing by that come ruin or rapture. It's not that I'm lowering. I think I'm just trying to put it. I, I love our church. It, it's, it's just, sometimes we want to make things spectacular that aren't, and if you came to our church, you guys would be like, this is cool, but it's not like this thing that's spectacular because God uses regular people. But is this you being incredibly humble? No, 
No, I think this is just me being real. I mean, we work hard and we have a good, you know, thing that we produced when it comes to a service. But um, the real story of a church are are the people that make it up from Monday to Saturday. That's the stuff that like our church gets media coverage because there's famous people. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's just because in some media circles, they just cannot believe that people who are famous also want to make sure their soul is intact. So right. we have like 99% of our church are not, you know, these wildly famous people. But because we have some, they're just like, this is a celebrity church. And this is it. so, and it's like, you know, it is what it is. Well, whatever you want to, you know, talk about to get us in the room, we'll do it. How, Once we get there, we'll, we'll do what we want. How and why did it become that? Like, why do you think the celebrities are drawn to come to your church? I don't think it's that they're drawn. I think number one, it's proximity. So New York, <laughs> you started he's, a church like, where the celebrities are. He's like, Yo, so it's convenient. So if y'all came to our church, um, the first thing you know we would talk about is sharing your faith. Okay. So I'd say, Logan, you know, if you if you find somebody today, um, encourage them and, and and tell them about who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. So you would naturally bring thirty people. We would say that to someone who's not famous. We'd say that to the Brooklyn school teacher who would we'd say, hey, share your faith, be a light in your world. And so naturally you should be bringing whoever is in your world. So if we have celebrities, we're not going to change what we believe for them. Yeah, if you're yeah. a celebrity, you still have a duty to be able to share your faith and to help people. So that's that's all it is. It's, it's literally that simple. But I will say that we do um, not make your fame a big deal. Yeah, so you guys, you guys you, are cool. You act like you've been here before. Is what yeah, you're saying. and yeah. we're also not not too cool to be a fan. Like I hate that when people are around famous people and they're like, "I've never heard of you." And it's like <laughs> you definitely have a T-shirt. <laughs> you do. Um, but we're we're I, I, if you're if you're a cop, we'll honor that you're a cop. Absolutely. But then you sit down and, and you enjoy this this church family like everybody else. If you're famous, cool. If you're uh, anonymous and you're homeless, you know we want to treat you with the same amount of dignity. And that's the. All right, guys. I'm trying to be fair. Um, that's good. That's James too, right? You don't want to uh, show people deference. You, you don't want to discriminate against those who uh, may not be a celebrity that comes to your church, even if they're, you know, low, low on the societal totem pole, right? Even if they're um, someone you don't know and you're not friends with their friends or whatever, right? Or they have no reputation or renown in the town you live in. You know, you want to treat everyone the same. That's great. That's wonderful. Uh, you know, local rotary clubs do that. Um, hospitals do that. You know, it's like, it's <laughs> like the community centers do that. You know, it's so putting forth the standard that, that you uh, want to treat all people the same and we do that. Therefore, this is a place that people want to be. I, you know, it's like, my thing is like, man, I, I've gone to so many churches in my life and it's, it just, I've seen so many wonderful people at these churches that want to know God. They desperately want to know God. They're there because they believe in the purpose and the mission they've been, you know, they feel that um, they understand the idea to take the gospel to every creature, right? To get the good news out that Jesus is King. He's Messiah. They may not know much more than that, but they're convinced of that and it's changed their life radically. And now they're trying to be like Jesus, even though they're not getting clear cut instructions, they're doing their best to walk in love every day with God and with fellow man. And they, they volunteer themselves, whether it's a parking lot attendant or an usher or a music leader or someone that works in the nursery. They do their best to work at these church, these buildings we call churches and to give of their time and their life. And sometimes, you know, their fortunes to actually give into these things to help them grow, to reach their community, to hopefully be a place where people can come and, and get that same experience that they had. Right. Where they too can share and spread this idea of learning that Yeshua is king. He is Messiah. He is our redeemer. 
Um, you know, again, they may not know, they may not get touched much more than that, but that um, that's, that's that general drive. And it, it hurts me when I see like, there's so many, there's so many people that are in that situation and I've met them, but they have no clue what to do past that, past this building. That's a church. They don't know what to do after that. They cannot explain the book to you. They cannot help you walk through, you know, th this general premise of now that you've come to this church, here's, here's step one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can't help you with any of that because they're not being taught that from the pastors either. What did this guy just say? Step one was when people come into his church that they want to get them to share their, share their faith by inviting their friends Guys, that's what like a network marketer does where he says, hey, right. I'm glad you're here tonight at this meeting. Write down 20 of your friends and put down their phone number and I'll call them and you bring them back with you next week. No, that's not step one. That's that's like a Amway, you know, production. That's like that's like someone doing multi-level marketing. You know, that's not step one. The, step one is like, oh, you you have a faith in God and his son sent Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Let's let's. Let's leave, let's do the step one that Jesus did the step one with, with his disciples. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Well, how do you do that? You have to know the commandments. Jesus was teaching the commandments to his disciples. That was step one. So this should be our step one. That's the spirit of our, of our church. What, what do you say to the people that will say celebrities go to uh, Hillsong um, because they're lazy in their religion. What do you say to people that have practiced strict Catholicism for so long that they look at, you know, what you guys preach, which, which obviously I love and say, this, this is not enough. This doesn't get you a ticket to heaven. You're not doing what needs to be done. Well, to that's why they kill Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's like, just because something's harder doesn't make it better. Like it's, it's okay to do something smarter. So the, the reason why people freaked out with Jesus is because he was saying all those rules, all that fancy stuff you do, I'm not interested. Oh, okay, so got to stop real quick, guys. He was interested. It's, he had to divide the false teachings from the real teachings. So let's go to the real teachings that Jesus actually explained while he's directly talking to those religious people. Okay, Jesus directly tells those religious people what's what to their face. And if we don't know the Bible, then of course we're going to believe the statement that we just heard. But hopefully my audience is much, much, much more informed than that. So we're going to go we're going to look at what Jesus actually said. The scribes, I'll just uh, highlight it here for you. He says, this, Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees, that's those religious people with all those rules that this pastor just said Jesus wasn't interested in. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. That means they're teaching what Moses taught. And it says, therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and don't do them. That's why he goes on for the rest of the chapter to call them hypocrites. Jesus is directly telling his disciples that even though the Pharisees are hypocrites, when they read out of the law of Moses while they sit in the chair of Moses and they're reading the Torah, do that. That's good. Do that. But all the other stuff they do, don't do that. All their Talmudic traditions, all their concepts that are just man-made, don't do that because that is what we shouldn't be doing. That's the religiousness that we're not adding to the truth, the purity of, you know, that the God's instructions to mankind, his, his law. So he literally tells people in this passage, he was interested in the rules. He was very interested. It's literally his doctrine. It's John 7, 14. 
it, Matthew 19, 16 and 17. It was the, it, John, let's go, let's go tell you the, let's, here's Jesus explaining to us that he kept the rules and he loved them. So go, go, let's go to John chapter 15. Here we go. For if you keep my commandments, you will, will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I spoke to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So guys, Jesus loved these rules. If you're watching this and you've, this is, you only saw this tonight because of the hashtags, uh, the Hillsong, the Carl Lentz, the Logan Paul hashtags, and you don't know anything about the Bible. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of a good dose of exactly what Jesus believed and what Jesus taught, because it's not this, this type of anarchist who is just about condensing everything into loving others more than you love yourself, which is not even Luke 6.42. It's not even the golden rule. That is not the commandments of Leviticus 19.18. And it's definitely not this concept here of just saying, oh, well, Jesus was, was uninterested in all the rules because of the religious people. They had just like, bro, bro read the Bible. <laughs> Jesus was very interested in the rules because that was literally what made him perfect. That was literally what made him without sin. That's what allowed him to be in that position where he had the authority to lay his life down and then to pick it back up again and be resurrected and ascend up to heaven to do his priestly duty that was prophesied of him so that he could obtain salvation for all of mankind. This That, that wonderful, wonderful position that he was granted at his resurrection was because he was interested in doing the quote-unquote rules. It's the commandments of God. It's literally God's instructions to mankind. If you're alive, if you're breathing, if you're conscious and sentient, his instructions were to help you live, to live a productive life, to have good things happen around you and for you and the people that you interact with. It's his instructions for living. These are not burdensome. All you need is, is, is going to be found in me. So for people who judge somebody, I don't look at someone who's devout in what they do um, solely as the reason why I would respect that. You know, and I think ours is just as devout. It's just different. Just because, guys, the very word devout in scripture means someone that keeps the commandments. Just throwing that out there for you. This is, this just lets you know how little of the Bible that this guy's reading. We're not miserable. Yeah. Just because we're not, you know, you know, carrying these solemn faces doesn't mean this isn't a life that takes discipline and dedication. Um, but yeah, if people want to judge somebody else's faith, you know, go for your life. If I were to tell you religion scares me, What's your response to that? Because I'm not. God's over- judging you right now as we speak. <laughs> I was, everyone judges um, everyone. Religion should scare you because I'm, I'm not. I don't even believe in religion. Religion is a construct of right. things that you have to do. I believe in a relationship with God. So we, I'm sure, guys, we've all heard this before, right? I mean, this is one of the most cliche and trite passages we hear from pastors that they're like, oh, we're not into religion here. We're into relationship. And that sounds very great. That really does. It it sounds wonderful, but let's look at the scriptures. <laughs> those 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 things that are in this book that that we consider, um, you know, God's words to mankind. Let's look at those scriptures real quick. So, let me see here. Yeah, let's just use this one real quick. Let's go with this. You guys ready? James chapter one. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Guys, do you think that this is saying that a person, do you think this is saying that if 
if he thinks he's religious but can't bridle his own tongue, then he deceives his own heart and his religion's worthless. Do you guys think that that statement is making religion a bad thing? No, he's telling you that this is someone that is not doing it right. He's not religious. He's deceiving his own heart. His religion's worthless because he, he can't bridle his tongue. It goes on in verse 27. It says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their distress to keep oneself un oneself unstained by the world, which we're, we're just reading concepts out of Deuteronomy right here, which again is the commandments, which is why just a few verses up, the same author, James, says, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And then the very next sentence, he's talking about being religious in the right way. Religion shouldn't scare you because if you understood the actual definition of it, there's a promise that you'll be blessed. And it's actually called a law of liberty. Let's go to what Jesus talks about in the same concept, okay? This is in John chapter 8. Good Lord, I sound like a preacher. I sound like a preacher, guys. I've never thought I'd be at this place in my life. But here I am. Um... I think it's verse 30, 34. All right, guys, you ready? Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, that's the commandments, then you're truly disciples of mine. That's the actions. That's those all those pesky rules that preachers don't want to talk about. And you will know the truth. We all think the truth is solid, right? It's unchanging. And the truth will make you free. That's that law of liberty that James was just talking about. If you continue in his word, which are the commandments, which is that perfect law that James mentions, then you will know the truth because you're being discipled in the actual behavior of Jesus Christ. That's why you're becoming his disciple and continuing to be his disciple. A disciple learns after his master, guys. That's that's the whole point. Let me see if I can remember the verse real quick. I think it's in Luke. Um, Do you guys remember the verse um, about a disciple? Oh, here it is. Yeah. This is a pupil. That's a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone after he's been fully trained will be like his teacher. This is what we're doing. This is, this is what we're doing guys. Th this is why if we believe in Jesus, he's considered our quote unquote teacher and we're his pupil and we're learning to be like him. He did the commandments. And he had a perfect, quote-unquote, religion. He was awesome. He was full of love and power. He was perfect. It's not a bad thing. He wasn't scared of it. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's keep going real quick. We're almost done. And that's totally different. I imagine thinking about something like a relationship mm -hmm. rather than a parole <laughs> visit. Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah, if you, yeah. Not that you guys would know anybody that's I, ever I been did. on parole. I, I <laughs> but, you know, it's almost like this dread. Like, that's my religion. I have to go yeah, have yeah. the priest bless me. I have to go do this and I can't do that. But if it's a, a relationship, this is an active conversation. This is alive. This is you know, a God that actually wants to hear your voice. So often we're just redefining who Jesus has always been because everybody thinks God is so far. You Are know? you more of a facilitator than a church, would you say? Or more? Well, more, that you know, should like be the job. Yeah. So, so Catholicism, for instance, like their priests are really necessary, right? The point of Christianity is for the leaders to not be as necessary. So my job is to teach you or to encourage somebody else. 
Oh goodness. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't Let me just let me just hear the rest of the sentence. To know God so well, well, I'm out of the picture. If anything, a pastor should be a bridge. Yeah. But if you have a religious construct based on the people who are facilitating it, that's a problem because you always need me. So if I'm a if I'm a pastor or a priest that wants to keep drawing people to me, I'm not going to tell you everything. I don't want you uh, to be so good. Yeah. I don't want you to be so you free. You don't want him to outshine the master. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah, you yeah. to be so free that you don't need me. So I'm yeah. going to give give you a little bit of guilt. Right, I'm right. going to preach something that's a little bit manipulative to keep you coming. But we believe the opposite is true. If you preach the truth, people are going to want to keep finding that. I, Stephen, I don't know, brother. That's the. I'm sorry, the chat moved. Um, I, I don't really know. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't matter at this point where he was trained, like what seminary he went to, or what he statements of faith and belief are, or none of that stuff. You know, it, it just doesn't matter anymore. The guy's too popular. He's got such a huge reach and influence, and it, it just becomes down to a thing of like, it, clearly, he's if he does read the Bible. Um, to actually, you know, I, I just really, really struggle with how he is it, it, because it's just, okay. I'm sorry. Let me find my words, guys. It's all the same stuff we've heard all of our life. So you get people into your church, you tell them it's about relationship, not religion, but you got two people sitting across from him going, religion scares me. And well, what are the hard and fast rules that I need to do? Those two questions like you saw me you can tonight they should be shot down in 30 seconds they should be answered and shown scripture in 30 seconds this is this is just the most easy quick way but guys the scriptures themselves offend people truly they offend people so when you're trying to stay relevant with the world when you don't want to offend you know the media attention or even the high profile celebrities that may come to your church you don't pull out the scriptures. That's literally all it boils down to. If you know the scriptures, that's assuming this particular guy knows the scriptures. So the, the whole concept is that um, the you know it's, it's one thing you know we're not again guys. I know there's a lot of good pastors out there that that have sacrificed their you know some corporate career or they've sacrificed lots in their life in different ways to be the, to be in a position in this, in the, in their local church to serve people. And they're doing it with the best of their ability and much props to those people, much, much props to those people. But guys, the reason why there's a high turnover rate in churches is because so many pastors in our modern culture in the last hundred years are not teaching the Bible in its most simplistic way of literally just what did Jesus say and do? They give a few scriptures out of context and then 50 minutes worth of inspirational anecdotal stories. It's It becomes a situation where people come for a feel-good experience and they're not actually just hearing the simple words that they need to hear to walk away with some information to work on, to practice. So when someone comes in, they're like, well, what are the hard and fast rules? And they don't realize that if they truly knew the actual instructions that Jesus abided by, then they would walk as Jesus walked and they would be filled with the love of God. Like Jesus promises in John chapter 15, verse 11, that if you do these, your joy will be complete. That's life changing guys to have joy in your life. That's life changing. And that's if you're doing the behavior of Jesus Christ, this is the most simplistic thing we could be telling people who are coming into the faith as brand new babes practice the behavior of Jesus. What is it? Oh, let me show you. It's really simple. 
Here's some basic ones, but then here's some other ones, right? We get down the basics, right? Don't kill people. Pretty basic, right? If you're struggling with that, let's pray. And I might pray with my eyes open, but let's still pray. But if you're struggling with the most basic ones, right? Don't covet, don't lie, don't cheat, don't kill, right? Let's let's honor our parents. Let's not worship any other gods, all right? So we're going to not be polytheists. We get in these basic concepts. Now let's learn some of the other concepts that Jesus showed everywhere and that Jesus is doing right now for us in the temple in heaven. And let's understand what those are about. So we start getting into some deeper things. But the very first thing is like, let's learn about some of the fundamentals as Hebrews chapter six, one through three talks about these very fundamentals idea of the washings of laying on hands, this resurrection itself. How did, what, what's the big deal about the resurrection? Oh, do you, you need to know about the resurrection? Cause that's what you're promised for being a disciple of Jesus is <laughs> this eternal life thing. So let's learn about what that's going to be like and how that happens, how God makes that a reality. Let's learn how the behavior you're practicing now is the behavior that the resurrection is going to give you forever. So you're practicing and failing now. That's okay. We have a, we have an atoning high priest who, who helps us atone for our mistakes. So that way we still can get to this resurrection where we'll never make a mistake again. And we get this perfected heart with his laws written on the heart itself, an incorruptible body, a renewed mind that's forever changed and always will be doing the will of God, which are the commandments. We're actually going to step into a priesthood role just like Yeshua and do this behavior perpetually and permanently and wonderfully. And we're going to affect and benefit all these other people around us during the millennial reign. This is the promise of the covenant. This is why we disciple after this behavior. This is why this is step one is let's start working on our behavior. You don't know the behavior. Okay. Good, good news. God wrote it all down. It's all written down for us. All we got to do is read it. If you don't know the behavior, that's fine. We can, we can read it together. I'm still practicing the behavior. I can read it with you. I might pick something up. I didn't see before guys. It's so, it's so simple. It's so simple. By the way, Someone like a pastor or a teacher or a prophet or an evangelist, like these are literal gifts that the, the Holy Spirit gives to people. So, so one of the things that I that hurt me listening to this is he's denigrating the idea of a pastor. He said he's just supposed to be a bridge. He's not supposed to be needed because it's literally how the Father set up his structure on how to teach the commandments. Is a pastor is a hundred percent needed, and in fact, they're supposed to know the commandments so they can teach them. They're not just a bridge to some other self-exploration with this undefined concept of loving your neighbor more than yourself, which is not a scripture. It's <laughs> yes, we want to we want to be selfless. We want to serve other people, right? The greatest in the kingdom will be those will be the least, right? We want to be a servant to all. But that doesn't mean we love that. He's literally twisting the you know the the big golden rule that Jesus talked about. So th this whole concept is that. It, it's hard for me. And the reason why we're hearing these words and why so many people in the, in the chat are cringing, listening to this is because you guys have been studying the commandments with me on, on, on camera. And because you guys know that many of us, especially many of us listening, we're there. We were here in these types of churches that this guy pastors over and we weren't being fed. We weren't learning anything. There was no concrete instruction on how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You just got these mantras, bumper sticker phrases, fog machines with great, incredible concerts of Christian music. And then suddenly at the end of it, you walk away and you can't even remember what the inspirational message was about. Because now you stepped out of a darkened room into the bright sunlight at one o'clock in the afternoon and your whole your whole senses are shattered. You can't even remember what, what, what did we just talk about? I don't know, but it sure was cool. I feel good now. All right, let's go to Applebee's. I mean, it's just 
this is a problem when you put on a production instead of actually trying to make a disciple. And so this, we're, we're almost done, guys. That's kind of like the uh, churchianity, right? Or, yes. Okay. There's like the concept that churches are uh, Catholicism and Catholic churches are only set up to get people to come in and pay their tidings and teach them, like you said, only enough so that they can not quite get to the point that they need to be to be completely free within their own minds and their spirits and find their own faith, but always be reliant on yes, the person on yeah on the teachings and the hierarchy of the Catholic church. Yeah. And I, I ran from it. Like I, I had a pretty rough, not rough past. Like I have a great family, but I played basketball in college. UNC lived that life. Way, NC state. Oh, NC sorry. State. NC state. Now I'm just going to walk. That's offensive. It's the most offensive thing I could have ever said. <laughs> that's to offensive. You. Like that, that's beyond you, religious. You're from offense. Delaware, right? No. Oh, oh see, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Now see, we're one and one now. See, now I feel better. Now so, yeah, I feel better. I, I, I just could never imagine myself being involved with Christians. Mm -hmm. Like I just couldn't, I just was almost repulsed. Yeah. And I found that to be a lot of people's experience is that they don't have any problem with Jesus, but it's just these seven dudes they've met that are such, you know, idiots mm -hmm. that people are like, I want nothing to do with God. And I was kind of like that as well. What caused you to go in the ministry? Uh, I think we just, I just have been going through every door that's been open. So mm -hmm. I never had like an angelic call. Like you talk to some preachers, like God spoke to me when I was five. And I'm like, I, I've had a five-year-old. God doesn't speak to five-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't have like a real spectacular story for me. It was just, I just kept helping with my church and one door led to another. And, mm -hmm. and I'm 41 today sitting yeah. here in this epic castle that you have with parrots and goats and sheep. <laughs> talking about um, TZ was asking, what does it take to be on a show? This is Logan Paul's podcast on YouTube, brother. He's got like, I think like 30 million subscribers on YouTube. He's, he's a pretty in this entertainment realm of YouTube, which is the new, the new video media. Uh, Logan Paul is, is, you know, he's, he may as well be mainstream media at this point, um, because of his reach and influence and, uh, and it's not a Christian based show. So if you're inferring that, you know, how do I, how do I get on a show to talk about actual scriptures? literally require a miracle of God. Yeah. I would do it, but yeah, it would require God making the way. Cause it's not, I can't just like, I could reach out to him for sure. Highly, highly un, in, in, unlikely and improbable that he would say, sure. Come on on. Talk about scriptures. Yeah. About talking Jesus about Christ, Jesus. Yeah. So with, uh, with y'all legend. So yeah, it's been a crazy ride. What about, what about repent? in your in your uh, in your space because obviously I've, I've done enough of it in my life and and continue to because i'm i still you know sin and do the best i can but what what do you guys how do you guys handle that type of thing is is uh repenting for your sins a personal journey is it something that's done through a preacher in hillsong or well uh, so guys just so you want to just so we're not too misunderstood okay this guy in the hat talking right here i like this guy he is he is a clean slate He's like I said, he's got a hunger for righteousness. He he wants to know the truth. Um, he's trying the best, like he said, to the best of his ability. He's still aware that he does have sin in his life. This is first John three, right? Um, or first John chapter one. He says he's without sin as a liar. The truth's not in him. So like he has a good comp a, a disposition. He has a decent outlook. He he's he's trying to he's come newly to this concept of believing Jesus is a savior, and he's trying to walk this out and get better understanding. The reason I'm struggling so much with this pastor, Carl Lentz, and his and his very, very vague and generic answers that he's given to try to explain his church and their statement of beliefs and how they treat new members and believers 
is because he's supposed to know better. He's supposed to be in a position where he's supposed to know. And so we got a young, hungry mind who are who is clearly in this interview. This guy with the hat on looks up to this pastor already. And he's truly he's asking genuine questions right now. And this is just this rare moment where this one of these conversations gets caught on actual camera. But he's not getting answers that can benefit him. He's just getting bumper sticker phrases, and it's heartbreaking. How does that work? Repentance, like the most literal definition of the word, means to change your mind. So imagine all the stuff we put on repentance, all the penance you have to do, all the work. But when Jesus was talking about repent, he was literally telling people to change your mind. Because if you was that was that what it was, guys? Was that what it was? Let me pull this something up real quick. Because I actually talked about this on our. Um, um, I talked about this on, it was, let me see, what episode was it? It was, um, our kingdom cast where I was going over new Testament context for pastors and it was, uh, episode one, one second, let me see if I can pull this up. And we, we actually showed on screen the definition of repentance. And I'm just going to let you guys know real quick. It definitely was not that. So let me see if I can find it real quick for us and I'll put it on screen again. Yes, guys, to change your mind is, is one of the most very loose and basic definitions of repentance. But the one second, let me see if I can find it. Sorry, I, I should have this prepared. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay, can everyone see this? All right, guys. It's uh, in the Strong's 3340, Metanel. Metanel depends how you say it. To change one mind or purpose. Yes, yes. It sounds great. You go on down to look. It's to repent, to change a mind, to change the inner man particularly with reference to accepting of the will of God. If you go over to the Thayer's Greek lexicon, it says to change one's mind for the better, hardly to amend with abhorrence, abhorrence of one's past sins. To amend with abhorrence of one's past sins, to be acceptant of the will of God is to be repentant. So guys, we, that for all of you that have been uh, following along, you probably should trigger you right now, right? You should understand what is the will of God? We already talked about it. Let's keep his commandments. That's changing from your behavior currently to keeping his commandments. What is to be accepting of his will? That's to change from your behavior, which is not doing his commandments, to going to doing his commandments. To be abhorrent of one's past sins. Well, what is what is sin? Sin is when you transgress his law, which is his commandments, which means you're going to stop transgressing his law, his commandments. You're going to start doing them instead of doing the opposite of them. So we've heard this we've heard this little phrase, this little answer about well, repentance is just changing your mind. We've heard this a lot. Yes, but it's 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 an intended purpose, a direction of changing your mind. It's you could come in as someone that practices Hindu at religion and change your mind to become a Buddhist. Like it doesn't mean just changing your mind. It's literally changing your way of living which was against God's behavior to God's behavior. 
there's context to the idea of changing your mind when Jesus is telling people to repent. You can change your mind. You can change your life because it goes mind hold, heart hold, foothold, stronghold. Yeah. So if you want to change what you do, you have to change what you think. So technically, if I want to repent, if I you know, had a really bad night or if I had a really bad moment, um, my repentance is as quick as me going, Jesus, change my mind. Forgive me. And it's a like that. The Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. So you find people who are like, I want to come to church, but I've been so bad for so long. As if God is like waiting at the gates going, where you been? Yeah. What you've been doing? I saw your YouTube. I saw that vlog. <laughs> well, I'm scared. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm terrified. And it's because, I, again, I'm trying to be fair, right? I agree with this. Per like if you're a person who doesn't know the scriptures and you feel, you know, you feel sad or repentant towards something you've been doing and you want to change your heart. If you want to pray, Jesus, change my mind. That's that's fine. Do that. Jesus is going to lead you to his behavior, which is the the commandments. That's how he's going to change your mind, which means inherently someone has to teach it to you properly or you have to go read the book for yourself. So this is why, again, we're pastors and them knowing the scriptures is so important. It's like, why, why would you hide from a God that knows everything about you anyway? And, and so that's our that's always our, our tension. It's trying to get people to shake off some of the religion that's kept you out for so long. Even you'll have people listening today that will this will trigger them in one of two ways. One, people will be like, wow, there's a Christian on there. Other people will push back and be like, I can't believe they're even letting this stuff, right, you know, right. because they've been hurt and they've been through a lot of stuff. So um, um, Earl, <laughs> it's a funny statement, brother. But look, the reason why I do stuff like this is because, you know, a lot of people that are following me that for the live streams, you guys are, like I said, in previous live streams, you guys are hungry. Right. Y'all are here every night almost that I'm that I turn on the camera and you're ready to learn about the word. You guys are hungry. You guys are statistically in the minority. The man, the average person, like there's other people that can't make the live streams that are hungry too. But then three, six months down the road, as this particular video we're doing tonight gets out into the algorithms, people are gonna find this video that do not know anything. They're gonna find this video and think that what he's saying is okay. And that what and that, that this is good, you know what I mean? Or they're going to be like many of us. They're going to be one of those people that are still in a mainstream church, not being fed, not being fulfilled, wondering is this really all there is, having no actual direction, and then find hopefully find this video. I pray, and it leads them to a deeper search to get in their word, research the verses I put on screen tonight. I've been talking about in comparison with these bumper sticker phrases he's hearing, and realize there's more to this. I can know god i can actually practice the behavior of the creator wow i can it's a possible guys it it's truly possible for you to do that you know you're not gonna be perfect at it that's why i said the word practice that's what he asks he asks us to practice his behavior his ordinances statutes leviticus 18 4 and 5. so this is all we're doing hopefully i want to reach out to people that um that may be either feeling isolated inside of a mainstream church with no direction or people that are on the edge on the, you know, thinking of having, having feel like God's pulling on them to get their attention, to lead them to a deeper walk with it, or to understand who his son is and to come to relevance of, you know, what it means to actually practice the behavior of God and, and, and discipleship after Jesus, his son. Um, but uh, for all of you who are a little more experienced in all this, I appreciate your patience. So um, and we get that too. How much of the Bible has been lost in translation in your not world? not not a lot actually because now it's more accurate than ever. Mm -hmm. So now you have fifty different commentaries. You have different you know ways to research. 
um, you know, the original language. So mm -hmm. now, I mean, it's the age of information on everything, including right. the Bible. But the, the wording, like you said, repentance, like the Latin root pen, meaning, you know, pensive, uh, that's a thought, thought, you know, that yeah. area. People look at repentance as this thing of, I have to divulge of all my sins and pour out my iniquities. Confession. Yeah, and confession. And that can be terrifying for a lot of people because they don't want to admit to their wrongdoings. Yeah. That is that a point of contention in your church or is that a place? No, where I mean, I think confession, if you've really repented, you're going to want to confess that. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't believe that there's a, a middleman. I think sometimes in other faith streams, which I'm not knocking, you know, you have to do that. Go talk to another person mm -hmm. and they can go talk to God. Mm -hmm. We just believe that Jesus cut out the middleman. Okay. So you can talk to me as your pastor if you want, but you can also go straight, straight to the source to the if you want. Okay. Yeah. Um, in that vein, do you... Uh, you've talked about Jesus as a real person, correct? Mm. Do you believe that Jesus himself was God or do you believe that in his wording, um, it was more so he had found a relationship and an understanding of what some in the spiritual community might call oneness or the great, uh, yeah. no, just the, uh, what is it? The ubiquitous and nice. like, unity. Yeah. Nice. All of everything <laughs> that connects it all universe, whatever you might Gaia. want to call it. Yeah, sir. But uh, yeah, no, I, I believe he was God. Okay. Because I always stick with uh, the quote. I stick with the word. So Jesus said, mm -hmm. this is me. This is who I am. Okay. So I, 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 we have a tendency as people to overcome. <laughs> Anyone catch that? Um, yes, guys, here at Kingdom Context, we do believe the father who called his son God because we know what that word God means, both in the Hebrew and the Greek. And so this is why in the Old Testament, Psalm 45, 6, and 7, the father speaks of his son who was to become this anointed high priest and king of kings and lord of lords. That was the purpose of the Messiah. The father, the creator, speaks of his son and says that he is God. He calls him God. This is repeated as uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, 8, and 9, as the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain Jesus' priesthood to us. This is exactly why we see in Isaiah 9, 6, when speaking about the Messiah, the branch, the one to come, that he's going to be um, Prince of Peace and Eternal Father, right? Because that is just like the word God. The word Father is a term that is used of a ruler of the people, a king over the people, someone in authority over them. So, yes, we 100% teach that Jesus is God, but he's not the Father. He's the Son of God. But he's also in a position of rulership that is considered God. It's a, it's a translated from the from the uh, Hebrew Elohim word, which can mean the father God, but also can mean a ruler over the people. And that is why the son of God was given that position as a ruler over the people. So he is, he will be God to us a hundred percent. And he is the quote unquote God that rules as King of Kings and Lord of Lords of the millennial reign in his high priest position. But he's literally not the father. They're not the same. It's not this Catholic identity. So he's the son of God. So I just want to make that clear um, just in case uh, this guy's commentary in some way made you think that, you know, that we somehow disagree that we hundred percent understand what the words mean and how the scripture teaches that Jesus is God, but he's the son of God. He's not the father God. So there's the idea that he is um, a ruler and that's how that term God is applied to the son. Complicate stuff. And there's enough complication in the world for Absolutely. me not to look at something that was said and people do though. You're not wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. people will take that any way they want, but for me, I just try to keep it as, as simple as I can. Do you acknowledge uh, a dark side of faith? Yeah. Well, if there's no dark side, there's no light side. So what does that dark side look look like to you? Well, darkness looks different for a lot of people. So our our idea of darkness is normally like a big devil with a pitchfork, someone doing like cultish things like cooking a stew, mm. you know, voodoo doll. 
I think darkness can be you, you, you having a multi-million dollar house, but being stone cold, lonely, completely mm-hmm. empty in your soul. So I don't think darkness has um, an exact template attached to it. I think it's when you feel like you're, you're, you're so far um, that nobody knows where you are, what you're doing. No one knows who you really are. I'm, I'm more so talking about the perpetuators of faith that do it in a dark way. Mm. I'm talking about like, I'm going to go to Santa Monica today. There will be a guy screaming on a megaphone telling me I'm going to go to hell. There will be him. Yeah, well, why does he that? do that? Why does he tell me that I'm going to burn in hell and, and try to scare me into becoming a Christian? I think, well, we sometimes will put um, uh, like a, uh, like if you talk to a guy like that, he'll be like, I'm, I'm a martyr. You know, this isn't easy. And I always push back on that and say it's way easier to stand at a stranger and yell at them. Yell. Even yeah. if you, what you think is truth, but there's no love, the Bible clearly says it's not really truth. It has to be truth and love and grace. But it's a lot harder for me to be friends with somebody, serve them with my life, be consistent, turn the other cheek, build a bridge, and then share my faith. That's hard. It's easy to feel like you're a real Christian to go out. And I yelled at 47 people today. <laughs> Saw that Logan guy. I told him he was going to hell. You know, I did my duty. Um, you just won't find Jesus ever doing that. Yeah. So, so then are... Are they uh, okay, guys? I'm not gonna make a I'm not gonna make a case for the for the people with the little megaphones on their hips, standing on the street corner with the sign saying the end is near and repent. Um, yes, their 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 tactics can be abrasive. Their tactics uh, are not they may not get the most um, the most results. But uh, <laughs> what he just said <laughs> is. He just said, you won't find Jesus doing that. Jesus literally stood up on, on the Sermon on the Mount and tells these people to repent. Jesus literally <laughs> walked around and would stand up and tell the people to repent in a teaching method. He he, he literally said this stuff. Same with John the Baptist. Uh, same with Ezekiel. Same with Jeremiah. Same with Isaiah. They would literally call out to people to repent. Same with Jonah. Jonah went to an entire city and and called out that they would repent from their sins so they would be spared from physical judgment and like it's yes our tactics you know if that if that guy on the street corner is not literally ordained by god to be there like jesus or john the baptist or isaiah or jonah like those guys were ordained by god so if the street corner guy with the sign and the megaphone if they're not ordained by yes it can be an annoyance and it can be it can show little little fruit from that concept but who knows? Maybe they are ordained by God to be there. And maybe someone sitting in that red light in their car needs to actually see that for whatever reason at that point in their life. But the point is, Logan Paul set up this question to this guy like, this was the dark side of faith is when people do this, when they scream repent on the corner. And instead of explaining just very quickly, like what I explained about, well, there's a time and place for it. It depends on if that person's called by God. And I mean, this is literally behavior we saw from the prophets who are in a wicked generation. And they're trying to tell people to turn back to the commandments. That's again, that's what the definition of repent is. So the reason why the average person like Logan Paul can see someone holding up that sign and not understand why this guy is screaming repent, because he doesn't know where that leads to. He's like Logan Paul sitting there going, I already know about God. Like, what, what am I doing? That's why do, why do I have to change my mind about God? I already know he's it, a lot of these people. They believe a God exists. They're just not getting it defined for them. It's specifically, also, this idea of repenting to God doesn't they don't understand what that term even means. That means going to do the behavior of God, which are the commandments. So this is why they view it in a, in a very negative way, because they have no clue of the context of any of these terms being used. And uh, yeah, it's just it's sad to hear this this pastor drop uh, the ball. Sorry, sad to hear this pastor drop the ball in so 
many ways with people that could, yeah, a lot of people watching the show um, with Logan Paul's podcast, like he's being thrown these softball questions and, uh, and I just, it just breaks my heart. Inadequate Christians. Are they even doing Christianity the right way? Will they go to heaven? Are they hypocrites? It's ironic. Yeah. It's a good question, bro. I think that there's, I, tr- I do my best to not judge somebody from so far away, including people that frustrate me. I, I, I've had a number of conversations. If I was smarter, I would have YouTube them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't I, I don't know where I would place people like that, because I think in their heart, they think what they're doing is right. Yeah. So I always see somebody like that and go, I, I hope that God can salvage some good out of that. Um, What's that saying? The road to hell is paved with good intent. Is that what it is? That how yeah, it goes? Good intentions. That's such a good intentions. That's such a weird situation. Honestly, like. I feel like you can't, there's gotta be some level of mental, like to be out there, you know, wearing what these guys are wearing, screaming at the passerbys. Like there, yeah. there's probably some level of, ma- of mental illness. There might be. And they're they're well. genuine dudes. Like a lot of the guys, they just don't know better. And yeah, they think, yeah. they think that's the way they would look at what I do and go, he doesn't know better. So I was just say, you know, time will tell who was right. But that's just, yeah, I get, I, that's just one side of it. Like I just used the screaming guy with the megaphone holding the, the sign as an example, but there's like, and when I tell you like religion in general and, and faith, sometimes I, I the reason because I'm not like I said, I'm not overly religious. I do believe in a creator. Mm. I don't know what his role is in our day to day lives. I, 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 I think there's some sort of unimaginable thing that made us in this universe and everything around us. But like I said, I don't know if he's as active as uh, faith would tell you. Because I'm I'm confused. I I don't truly understand. There's too many stories being told. There's too many people saying different things. Mm. Uh, religion, faith, whatever you want to call it, has has led to the deaths of too many people. Has led to the the trauma of too many children. Mm. And I, I, I've just been not shut off to the idea, but turned off momentarily. Yeah. And that's why I was excited to have. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Because um, uh, yeah, I I I don't, I don't I'm not sure I can fully wrap my head around so many people telling me different things about their God. Yes, guys, there it is, and I'm gonna stop right there because you've heard enough from Carl Lentz. <laughs> but guys, this I, my heart breaks for for people like this Logan Paul guy. Who's he's he's being as genuine of a statement that I've ever heard in a long time. And whereas he is truly saying, like, it's so confusing, like the, all these different denominations, different, different things, different behaviors and different because why do we have all these denominations? Why? Because people teach different things out of context. Ephesians 4 is one Lord, one spirit, one God, one faith, one, one. Right, We're, we have one message, one doctrine. It's the behavior of Jesus Christ, which is the commandments of the Father. That's all there is. It's very simple. It's one message. This is why Yeshua prays in John seventeen that his disciples would have unity, which is to be one. Right, have unity as the Father and the Son had unity, meaning they had the same doctrine. So therefore, there's peace between them because they understand what each other is doing and they can expect it, and it produces nothing but good results. They're walking in love because they're keeping the commandments, these religious rules. 
So this is a guy like Logan Paul who's genuinely saying, like, I'm just so confused, man. I don't understand, like, all these different portrayals of, of people and their different behaviors and their different teachings and all these denominations. And everyone has their own version of what they're describing God as. And, I'm, and you know, it just breaks the heart, man. This is the problem with so many people out there teaching out of context stuff and then just digging their heels in with all this pride, you know, just hoping that they're going to gather a following or not be let go from their church because the association that they're a part of likes them and, you know, keeps, allows them to keep their job as the pastor of that church in that town or whatever. It's just, it's a, yeah, you're right, Stephen. This, I mean, this is what it's about. It's uh, the enemy wants to get in. He wants to mingle the message. He wants to bring confusion. That's why there's thousands of denominations in the United States and all of them claim to be worshiping the same God and the same son of God, but they have these variant messages. that just brings so much confusion. So this pray for me, guys. This is my, my heart's desire on kingdom context is try to make this as simple as possible, but yet stick to the word as truthfully as possible and keep everything in its context so that the people and explain this to you can better understand it uh, as well and realize it's not a burden. And it's not a set of religious rules that are just, you know, that Jesus was uninterested in keeping that all that is nonsense. Jesus was very interested in keeping a proper set of religious rules that brought life, that brought love, that brought good things that allowed him to walk around and heal people and, and magnify the amount of food miraculously and raise the dead himself included. Like this is the behavior of Jesus Christ that is the way, the truth, and the life. It's very simple. It's written down for us. So this is the part where I struggle when, you know, we get these super, super bad answers um, from pastors that should know better. Guys, I'm 40 years old. I know a lot of you guys don't believe me because I look younger. I've just got Native American blood in me. The pastor that we just saw talking, Carl Lentz, is 41 years old. He's one year older than me. And you heard, and and, you know, and he's in charge of a congregation of thousands of people with, you know, influence, uh, you know, with lots of media attention, lots of lots of followers on social media. And he and he's just he's butchering even the most basic questions of the faith. And it just breaks my heart. So this is why, that you know, we have to pray that the father um, puts all of us in a position to to know the word better and then be able to communicate it easily to those around us. This is why, like I've said before, our, our mission statement for this podcast is that, you know, it's it's a prayer, really. It's a prayer that I've said since I was 18. And it's that, Father, would you give me knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of your word in this world so that I may better relate your word to this world? That doesn't mean I'm being relevant to the world, but it means I'm a better teacher at how to explain his word to the world because he's, he is giving me knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of his word. So that's the, I guess that's the rub I see with churches that try to be relevant and the message gets watered down to the point where it's just bumper sticker phrases and no one's actually being taught literally how to walk like Jesus walked. And so that's, yeah, I'm sorry guys, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting. I'm going to stop. If you guys have a couple questions, I'm going to take them, um, but we'll probably, we're coming up on the end of the broadcast. Uh, if you do have any questions, put them in all capitalization in the chat. And uh, in fact, we'll do something tonight. If anyone, um, if anyone wants to join the broadcast uh, via your cell phone with video chat, I put the the link to the studio in the live chat right now. Okay, and so um, that link will only be good while this 
live stream is going. Uh, Love Texas 43, I apologize. I actually don't know. Um, I don't know which ones you're talking about, or I know there's supposedly a lot of discoveries uh, as far as Nephilim being or giants being on earth, also in the United States and also in Europe and all over the place, man. So I apologize. Um, there, there are a lot of, a lot of uh, real archaeology out there that's happening where they're uncovering these things, but it's hard to, to find in the, in the news reports because the, the mainstream media doesn't want to cover this stuff. It doesn't want this information to get out because it destroys their evolutionary narrative. T Zebra is asking, how do you know what gifts have been given? Well, I would, I would suggest learning what they are, you know, going into Corinthians and read about the gifts of the spirit and, and the gifts of ministry. And then you can try to see for yourself if that's something that you feel uh, the father's led, led you into. And I would, as always, you have, you know, just ask, ask the father to make it very plain and obvious to you what your gift is. And he'll, he'll either start grooming you in that direction or he'll, make it very obvious to you. He's, he made it obvious to me. <laughs> so I apologize. There's not like a, a there's not a, a scripture that is like some sort of test you take to tell you at the end of the test, what your gift is. But I will say this, there's a scripture that says this brother. Uh, let me go to it real quick. All right. I'll pull this on the screen for us. And David, I see you in the studio. Give me one second, brother. I'll be right with you for your question. All right. And go back here. Okay. So, um, T Zebra, look at this. Check this out. Philemon 1 6, one of the shortest books in the Bible besides Obadiah and Jude. And this little, this little place, it says in verse 6, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. So uh, we'll look at the, the King James Version. This is that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So in order to better understand what your gift is, you got to start talking to people about God and it's just going to start coming out. That's the cool part. You got to start communicating your faith to others, and, um, and which means inherently you're sharing Jesus with other people. You're sharing the, the truth of scriptures with other pre people. So. All right. Well, we lost David. Sorry, brother. Uh, I was just about to get to you, but you, you left the chat or you left the, uh, the studio stream. Um, if you come on back before I end, we'll, we'll take your question. Christina B. She would love a breakdown of what is laying on hands and baptisms. You spoke on earlier in Hebrews 6. I still need education, these basic concepts. Thank you. Yes, you're a great shepherd. I appreciate it, Christina. I appreciate it. Um, I actually talked about this in um, that same video. And it's a, it's a full-on breakdown. Uh, I talk about baptisms and this idea of lay on hands, which is a, a transfer from the priesthood, both of, of healing and also of prayer. And, and, and also like a priest would transfer the sins on Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement, uh, the sins of, of Israel onto the goat um, for atonement. But then there's also the application of it, of it being transferred for healing, for prayer, um, which is the, basically just your physical conduit of the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you to another person. Um, but yet at, sometimes it doesn't require that. But so this is a concept of why, it, in my opinion, it leans more towards the priesthood because that's a fundamental concept of the covenant is understanding how the, the priest would lay his hands on the goat to transfer the sin uh, symbolically to the goat and atone for Israel. But as far as baptism goes, I do a full on breakdown on this. Okay. And it is, let me find the, 
let me find the episode. It's it's the same one I had on screen. Let me just pull it up again. If I can here. Okay. So it is this uh, Kingdom Cast number 22, New Testament Context for Pastors. Oops, I'm sorry. And I'm going to drop the link in the chat for you. Is this one I go over baptism inside here? Pretty sure it's that one. I don't think it's chapters four through six. I'm pretty sure it's one through three that I, I covered baptisms uh, because John the Baptist was baptizing people. And so, um, yes, there's a symbolic nature to baptisms. That's I'm going to give you a very, very short summary, okay? But I would suggest checking out that video. There's a symbolic nature to baptisms. It's about washing your heart, your conscience, and you know, washing your body uh, in a testament of faith that you're trying to disciple. But then there was a literal application of baptism as well. All right, David's back. So let's uh, we'll add him to the stream real quick. David, are you there? You have to, you have to turn on your mic or allow the, the app to use your mic and your, your video if you're there. Usually a little pop-up say asking for permission to use your mic. You have to say yes. David, are you there? Not, I'm not hearing you, brother. I'm sorry. I don't see you either. I don't hear video or audio. Oh, oh, we're getting a little bit. I can't. It's uh, it's choppy, but I got. You have to unmute your mic, brother. Oh, and oh, we lost him. I'm sorry. We got Scott. No name is is here in the studio. Scott, hey, brother, did you have a question tonight? Scott is here. Scott, you have to you have to unmute your mic if you want to ask a question, brother. Uh, Scott, if you have a quick question, go ahead and drop it for us. If not, I'll I'll just take some more from the chat. I don't know if you realize that you got your mic muted, and it doesn't let me take it off mute. That's something that you have to do. So, okay, looks like uh, you're. Could you hear me, brother? Are you there? All right, guys. Um, I think he may be having some difficulty as well. He may. I'm sorry, brother. So we will. Um, yeah, I'm not. It's. I'm not. I can't hear you or see anything from you. I'm sorry, brother. Try. Try again uh, at another stream. Okay, we're about to end this one. Um. Let me see here. Um, there's a few questions. I'm trying to skim through some of them real quick. Uh, real quick, Stephen Schofield, uh, the, 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 the worm that dieth not is actually an idiomatic phrase. Um, actually, Lex Meyer does a really good breakdown on this in his book, Immortal, even though Lex Meyer doesn't, I don't think he agrees with First Enoch, but he still, he does a great um, breakdown of this concept of, of the worm dieth not. It's just basically an idiomatic phrase referring to someone that whose death will be complete and final, and there's not going to be anything that's going to stop them from dying. So this is a phrase that was used back in the day, one of the idioms in the Bible of the worm that dieth not. Whereas if a worm that did die was something that didn't fully decompose. Um, but the worms are to finish the decomposing process, and it's something that is is final, which is why when you throw in the lake of fire, there's no coming back for that. Body and soul are dead, 
there's no reanimation there's no respawning there's no there's no new life again that's your second death and that's the final one so that's where he applies the idea that the worm dieth not all right guys um i think that's all i have for tonight as far as um my time with the uh my time oh looks like david is back david can you hear me brother hi hey how you doing you can hear me i can hear you now what's your question Ooh, brother? Oh, uh, all right so uh, i'm kind of shy and okay. um i'm from um i want to say hey guys i was born as uh my name my birth name was muhammad like you mm -hmm. know the false name muhammad my my channel is called Royce Bell. It's my favorite two soccer players combined. Okay. So it's like, and after I became born again three years ago, with the Holy Spirit, Hallelujah. And my okay, name is David Thanks, now. Man. I go by David. So it's like, <laughs> it's like that's my name. But I have so. That's okay, know, David. Do you know my middle name is David? Really? Yeah, that's a good name. Nothing is a coincidence. Everything's in his will. Yeah. So oh, what's it called? Okay. So check this out, right? The other night, I, I wanted to. I never really go on live with you because like, I'm a I'm a shy person. But I'm not gonna lie to you. The other night, uh, not the other night, a couple a couple of weeks or uh, two months ago, not two months ago, but like last month, exactly. I kind of been. I've been. I've been going through persecution a lot, so I've been trying to like use like. I'm not gonna lie. I've been using drugs a lot to substances to get through a lot of stuff, and that's just me stumbling, you know. But like uh, I understand that I gotta be a man at the end of the day. But um, at the other like last time I took up, I took like a like it was, I got high pretty much right. Okay. And and um, I was in the same spot here, and um, I received I like this isn't a question, but this is a testimony. I want to say this testimony live, like to everyone. Okay. And um, you know how you believe in the firmament, and I believe in the firmament two hundred percent. That's what I stand firm on. And um, uh, what's it called? I was in my room and I started feeling like spirit, like I heard rock music. Think about the, the the darkest rock music you can think about, right? And it was like as if like it was so scary. And I was thinking, wow, like what is this? And then I just like, I got up and I was thinking, oh, I, was, I thought it was my next door of my brothers. Because you know, that we're I'm in a Muslim family. They came born again and it's like, you know, it's like I thought like it was from them, but I was like, nah, I didn't want to do that because I grew up in a strict household, and it wasn't them. And then I said to myself, um, I literally said to myself, this isn't them. So I just got back to my bed. I thought it was a coincidence, and I started seeing stuff to the side of my face, the side of my uh, the side of my eyes, and uh, uh, what's it called? I thought it was like I, I could have sworn I saw like a cat or a bee, like an animal, right? And I flinched. And I thought I saw it. And then I was telling myself, I'm not stupid. I I know scripture, so I will test this. And I like, and I I, I open Revelation um, open Revelation five. I told myself I'm in the spirit, a spiritual realm somehow, but I'm in the physical. I'm a virgin. I I I have never like defiled myself with uh any woman. So I tested this. This is it's gonna make so much sense in like five minutes, but okay. I may not have five minutes. I apologize. I actually have a meeting coming up uh, here in about uh, real quick for one but, but my lighthouse company. I understand. I'm sorry, brother. I know it's I'm okay. Is there, so much time. You're okay. Is there any way uh, you can uh, kind of shorten it just a little bit? Oh, of course, of course. Okay, so uh, I saw my room started changing colors, 
my room, uh, my roof started changing colors, and I started seeing like uh, it was like reddish, orangish, right? And uh, I looked up and I saw um, what's it called? Like a, it was like a Rolls Royce, you know, a Rolls Royce, and it was like stars up in the sky. And I saw stars up in the sky. My room started changing, like my room started changing colors. And then as it went up, it started like the the stars went changed into angels. And then I went up and I saw in front of my room a big. This is when I was opening Revelation four, Revelation four, chapter four, and I saw a big, a big angel. The same way it was described in Revelation four, because I was scared. I had to open okay. scripture. So you saw one of those cherubim with the three wings. Yes. Okay. I promise you, brother. God, Yahuwah be my witness. Yahuwah, the great I am, be my witness. I would never lie. I saw one of the big cherubim. Well, hey, brother, that's your testimony. I and mean, I saw that's... the twenty. I saw one of the twenty-four elders. They had a white thing covering their face. A white thing. It does not talk about this in scripture. They yeah. Had a white thing. And then I saw a person sitting on a throne with a scroll. And then I saw a lamb with like seven, seven, um. Seven horns mm -hmm. and seven eyes. They were twirling, like so they were twirling. And I saw it, and the lamb grabbed the scroll. And then after that, it started talking about the 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 lamb is a book of life. I started going from scripture to scripture. I was reading streetlight Bibles. That's my favorite thing to read. It sounds I, like you're covering Revelation chapter five. Yes, yes, sir. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I was high that day. To this day, I don't understand why, but that's my testimony. Okay. I'm a witness to the truth. My brother, I am with you hundred percent. <laughs> well, brother, I, I really we, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for thank you for joining the chat and thank you for coming in to give your testimony. Um, mm -hmm. I got one quick one more person that I have to get to before I end the stream, I'm so I'm gonna have to let you go. So You're okay. You're me. okay, I'm man. So sorry. You're okay. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Royce. All right, stay blessed. Thanks, David. All right, Yahoo see you bless. soon. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. All right, guys. Um I appreciate everyone being here tonight. Uh, Jake Nix, brother, how are you? Good to, good to see you. Uh, he had a quick question. He also dropped a super chat for us. He's asking my thoughts on AI and the Antichrist. Brother, if you go to my main channel, there's these are it's a two-part question from my understanding. So I've done an entire video on the Antichrist. It's actually one of my most popular uploads on my channel. It's called Apollyon. And I go through the scriptures in great depth from start to finish. And I show, I lay out throughout all the scriptures who Apollyon is, which is the Antichrist of Revelation 17. So if you have a chance, it's literally on my most popular uploads on my main channel on YouTube. So you'll be able to see it easily. It, it's the first thing you can see when it pulls up. And then the AI itself, um, there's a lot of theories and speculation, but I think if AI does play a factor into anything pertaining to the Antichrist, it would specifically be in Revelation 13 pertaining to the second beast because it says that the second beast gives the quote unquote breath of life to this image of the beast. And then that image of the beast runs around the earth, forcing people um, to take the mark or, or killing them, basically forcing them to worship the beast or killing them. And so this is this great persecution of the saints. So if AI is involved, that sure is a nice little fitting spot for that to jump in there as, as being a practical application to the second beast character who's under the authority of the first beast, the second beast character, this false prophet guy given somehow the breath of life to this inanimate thing that then becomes something that goes and persecutes people. So that that's the best I could offer on the AI, but the antichrist, I, I feel very, very confident to nailing down specifically with a lot of scripture in that video I referenced. So brother, it's good to hear you. Um, it's good to, good to see it. In fact, I need to, I need to have you on the, the podcast if you're willing sometime. I know that you started your own podcast and uh, it's what I think it's called Egoless, right? So yeah, man, I've, I watched a couple of them. You guys are doing some good conversation over there. 
so yeah, man, if you're interested some night, I need to get with you um, on social media and we can set up a time and we can, we can talk about what's been going on with you later and have you on the podcast. So it's good to see you. And guys, I appreciate everybody that's being here and everyone that's uh, joining the chat with great questions and enduring through you know some of the stuff we had to hear tonight. But it's it's important because this is what a lot of people out there are hearing, and that's and that's just not scripture. So it helps us to know what kind of arguments to that we're going to be facing. So I appreciate everybody, and we hope to see you here tomorrow night.